All right. Uh, this morning, Heather Kamira is going to be kicking off a new series. So let's welcome Heather. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. I am excited to get to kick off a new series. We're doing a three-week, three-part a series on vineyard distinctives. Yeah, it's going to be really good. I've had a lot of fun uh, just watching old videos, doing, digging up some old uh, uh, texts that I haven't read in a long time. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm really excited about this, this new series we're going to do. One of the things I love that our church does every single week is that we always pray for another church in the area. And I remember the first time I ever came to this church thinking, wow, I have never heard of another church praying for other churches in their respective area. And it's always just been really endearing. And I love that, that we as a church here understand that we're not the only church on the block, are we? And we understand that, that God loves the whole church, right? Not just us, <laughs> but he loves the whole church. And, and by doing that every week, we're, we're saying that to everyone that we we love the expression of the church in and, and all of its different ways. And, and I know that, the love, that God loves unity, right? He loves when, when as churches, we're, you're, we're unified and uh, part of the whole. But he also loves diversity, doesn't he? He really loves diversity. And the vineyard has grown over the last 40-plus years and there's been these certain distinctives in our movement that kind of have come to the surface and really define our personality as a church. So I want you to just take a second, take a second and remember back to the first time you ever stepped in a vineyard church. For some of you, it's going to be a long time ago, but for some of us, it might be actually pretty recent, right? Now think back, what was what was the same? Like, what seemed similar to your past experiences? What seemed different? Do you remember? I remember the first time I ever stepped in a vineyard church. I was actually in middle school. And we had just visited uh, the Vineyard Columbus with my family. Now, this was back when Vineyard Columbus was still meeting in the gym. Okay, a gym. It was packed out, like, all the way to the back. This was back when Danny Meyer was still on staff at Vineyard Columbus. This is back when Danny Meyer still had a ponytail, okay? <laughs> and Rich Nathan, the pastor at the time, still had a curly mullet. I mean, legit mullet. This is the things, these are the things you remember when you're a middle schooler in the 90s. Uh, but I remember there was nothing fancy about the room at all. I literally felt like I was meeting in a gym. And I had the sterile lighting and just packed with chairs. There were no pews. I came from a Methodist background, so for me, this was very weird. And I also remember actually seeing people in just t-shirt and jeans. I'm like, do they know they're in a church? I mean, I know it's a gym, but come on, like, this is church. And I remember just seeing all kinds of walks of people, right? Just a whole mix of people there. What I also saw was, for the first time in my life, I actually saw people do this strange thing in worship. So when they would start singing in the beginning, not only was the music really loud and really cool, I mean, they had like electric guitars up there, they had drums, but people actually did this in worship. It was very strange to me. I'm like, what is going on? Hands all over the place, we're just in the air. And, and then I would look at people in my just mesmerization as a little middle schooler and look at people and they had their eyes closed. And they had their eyes closed when they were singing. It was just really fascinating to me and something else captivated me. It was at the end of every service, they would have, you know, like a normal altar call, right? And I was used to that. But this time, at the, at the end, not only would they ask for anyone who wanted to, you know, meet Jesus for the first time, give their lives to him, but they actually said anyone who wants healing, anyone who has, you know, any kind of ailments or sickness, come forward, we want to pray for you. And so it was an altar call for everyone, and I saw all these people in this very sterile, bright lighting, you know, just going forward to get prayer. And I just remember it just absolutely impacted me. It was such a different experience for me. And, and uh, we didn't go to that church. Uh, we couldn't because it was really far away for us. But I remember in college, when I was coming back from college, uh, returning back to Ohio, gosh, it was probably 10 years after that, 
I knew that Vineyard Columbus is where I wanted to go. Because what God had done over those course of those 10 years was plant something in my heart. He had started to stir up this, this questioning, this, this lo like longing for understanding of what the Holy Spirit is and what he's all about. And, and I wanted to find a place where I could learn and, and understand and observe and try out this Holy Spirit stuff with, in a context where it was really done well and it was real. Because I had seen it done in lots of different ways, but I wanted to, see, I wanted to come into a place where it was done in a, in a way that was real and not forced. So I showed up at Vineyard Columbus, and boy, things had changed. Um, it had grown uh, a lot, and it was a huge building now, and I walked into a really nice, fancy auditorium, and, and being by myself, I just kind of sat in the back, but there it was. The same thing I saw when I was in middle school, people in t-shirts and jeans raising their hands in intimate worship to God. And I would watch these people. I was really questioning. I'm like, I don't know about this. And I would watch people and look at their faces. I'm like, they're not aware of anyone else. It's as though they're worshiping God all by themselves, right, right in front of him. It was just so impactful. And then I'd watch people as they went forward and got prayer at the end of the service. And I'd watch their faces and the people getting prayed for. And, and I was sniffing out to see if anything was forced or fake because I didn't want to be a part of anything like that. And I would watch the Holy Spirit meet his people time and time again. And I can say now, having been you know, in the, in the church vineyard movement for over 12, 14 years now, I have, I have, this is my tribe, these are my people, and I've grown here so much, and I've experienced the Holy Spirit for myself in ways I never thought possible back then. And this is something that, you know, for all of us, we have our stories, don't we? We have our stories of, of the first time that we, we came to the vineyard, or the first time that we really experienced the Holy Spirit in a genuine way. And no matter what our stories are, for some of you, this, is, this series is going to be a refresher. It's going to be a really nice refresher, but for some of you, it's actually going to explain and, and give a little more clarity as to why we do what we do here. So let's go ahead and pray and just invite the Holy Spirit. God, we, we just, we pray your, your Spirit would come today. Lord, we thank you so much for this church and for knitting us together here, and, and I really believe you've planted each and every one of us here on purpose. And I think you're catching us up into a bigger story than just our own individual lives. Because, Lord, we do want to see your kingdom come. So would you have your way today, and would your goodness and mercy just meet us here? I, I pray you would increase our expectation of what you could do here in our midst today. I pray we would sense your sweet presence. And for anyone struggling to believe, God, would you increase their faith today? Stir it up. I pray people would hear from you, first and foremost today, that you would be revealed. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to start off with a little bit of a background, a little bit of a history lesson as to where we came from. Is that cool? Yeah? Vineyard history. Okay. Um, before we dive into our three distinctives today, uh, we're going to look at just where we came from for a second. Uh, when I was digging and watching videos and hearing, you know, stories, it was just so, so faith-building and so exciting to remember where we've come from as, as a movement. The Vineyard Movement emerged on the scene in the late 1970s, and at what was been, what's been called a crossroads of American culture and, uh, or American Christianity and culture. Ken Gilkinson, a soft-spoken really unassuming leader with a passion to know and walk with God, started a church in Hollywood in 1974. And he was sent out actually by Calvary Chapel. And from Gilkinson's church, the first vineyards were planted in 1975. And I mean vineyards as in churches, not vineyards as in wine vineyards, <laughs> because they are in California, so I got to clarify there. Um, during the same time, Ken had become really good friends with someone called John Wimber, John and Carol Wimber, who had also started a Calvary cha Chapel church in Yorba Linda, California. And so they too, at the same time, started to experience uh, the Spirit in some really powerful ways. And this renewal became a turning point in their life and in their ministry. 
John's conservative evangelical paradigm for understanding ministry um, and ministry in the church started to really grow and expand during this time. So in 1982, they separated from the Calvary Chapel and quickly became the flagship church of the Vineyard Movement as the newly named Anaheim Vineyard. Now, Ken soon, soon felt led to ask John Wimber to actually assume leadership for this growing movement, and the official recognition of this transition took place, and it was then called the Association of Vineyard Churches, which is what we are now called. And as Vineyard Anaheim grew, it became an increasingly vibrant church of thousands of people while still meeting in a gymnasium, in a gymnasium. Growing and growing and growing started gaining worldwide attention. Thousands of unchurched people came powerfully into relationship with Christ, and the church worked to disciple and train those young Christians in their newfound faith. So John's desire was to keep the movement living in this tension of the radical middle, okay, the radical middle, embracing both the gifts of the evangelical tradition and the gifts of the Pentecostal and charismatic traditions. John's perspective could be captured in this great statement. I love this. All word and no spirit we dry up. Know of any churches like that? All spirit and no word we blow up. Know any churches like that? With the spirit and the word we grow up. So here he is trying to bring the best of both worlds and as the vineyard grew, John's work of renewal impacted everyone from all sorts of denominations, from the Anglicans to the Baptists. His love for the untamed work of the Spirit based on the lasting transformations he had seen in the lives of so many people. That's what led the vineyard through many seasons. We planted hundreds of churches in the coming decades, first in the U.S. and then globally. John Wimber's influence has profoundly shaped the theology and the practice of the Vineyard Churches from the earliest days until his death in November 1997. Now, the Vineyard Movement is a global family now. We have over 2,400 churches worldwide in 90-plus countries. And God has greatly just impacted the church, the greater church, by using the Vineyard Movement across all sorts of denominational lines in just incountable ways. So what makes us distinct as a vineyard movement? And before I go there, before we dive into our distinctives today, I want to say this first. I want to mention that every Christ-believing church has certain core beliefs that do not really change from church to church, right? They're the foundational biblical orthodoxy that has binded us together for ages, okay? So these are the things that are the same. So things like the deity of Christ, or original sin, or the virgin birth, right? Or, or the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, so theologically, in our orthodoxy, we're actually really the same as pretty much any other church, but every church has their distinctives, has their own personality, and so we're covering three of those today. The first is probably one of the, the most famous, one of the most important in our movement, and it is the already and the not yet of the kingdom. It's a good one. Now, back in the 80s, like for us, we've heard this, haven't we? If we've been in the church for, for very long, we've heard this. But back in the 80s, this was actually relatively new. This was really new. We didn't come up with this concept, uh, but George Eldon Ladd's theological writings on the kingdom of God greatly impacted John Wimber's uh, understanding. Ladd developed the idea that the kingdom of God is a reality that is both present in our midst but not completely present, or in other words, the already component and the not yet component. Now, what's really cool is most, most every seminary now holds to this understanding and these beliefs, uh, but back then, it was relatively, relatively new. So first, before we dive into what the already and the not yet is, what is the kingdom? Because it's always great to just start there. What is the kingdom? And it's, if, if we, yeah, okay, I'm hearing it, yep. The dynamic, right? The dynamic reign and rule of God. And, and this, is, this is so cool. When you look at scripture in the very beginning, I mean, we're talking Genesis 1, God being king decided to create and delegate responsibility to mankind to rule. 
And their job was to bring everything under the ultimate reign and rule of God back in the garden, Adam and Eve. But then in Genesis 3, they forfeited their role to subdue and rule, and Satan became the ruler of this world. But everything from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22 is God's plan to reestablish what was lost, what was lost in the garden. John the Baptist said, this is what he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming back. It's coming. And Jesus came to take back what was rightfully his to begin with. This is God's redemptive story throughout the world. The king had returned, and there's going to be a day that's coming when he will return once and for all when all creation, willing and unwilling, will see and acknowledge Jesus' reign. And then, guess what's going to get said? In Revelation eleven fifteen, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Oh, that's awesome. Now, do you know the first recorded words that Jesus ever spoke? In Mark, in, in, in the book of Mark, his first words he ever spoke that were recorded were this. Mark 1, 14 and 15. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus' most important, overarching, integrating message about this world was, that his me was the message of his kingdom coming. Through stories, through metaphors, through miracles, through healings, Jesus sends out one of the most important declarations. The kingdom of God is breaking into this world, and it absolutely changes everything. It changes everything. This is why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, he said, you guys want to know how to pray? This is how you pray. Matthew 6, 9 through 10, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Rich Nathan summarizes it like this. He says, what we are praying when we pray the Lord's Prayer, the kingdom of God is what things should look like if Jesus ran everything, if his will was done everywhere. We are saying, what we are saying is that we want this situation right here, whatever we're praying for in this moment, to be like if you, Lord, were in charge, if your will was done in this moment. And this is the mystery of the kingdom, is that it's here, but it hasn't displaced every other kingdom in this world. The will of God is being done in our midst right now, but so is the will of men and women, and so is the will of Satan. And in this age, we are running on parallel tracks, but when Christ returns, creation is going to run on a monorail. Our world is going to be run on the will of God. In the early 30s, Eleanor Mumford, or in her early 30s, Eleanor Mumford, another great vineyard, um, leader. She had severe meningitis. But she got some prayer from just some faithful Christian friends, and what they didn't expect is that all of a sudden she was instantaneously healed. It so rocked their world, they actually weren't truly expecting that she was going to get healed, uh, that John and Ele Eleanor Mumford say this, all of a sudden, the rule and reign of the king, the reality of his kingdom, had burst upon us. We immediately went back to our Bibles because our experience called for some kind of explanation. It really rattled them. And there, we reread re the first recorded words that Jesus spoke. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This was momentous for us. Jesus himself was announcing himself. The king proclaiming the kingdom. And herein lies the great drama. With the coming of Jesus, the king has arrived, and thus the kingdom has come. But Jesus spoke of the kingdom come and the kingdom coming. 
The idea, and in Mark 1.15, the one we just read, is that the kingdom almost here, about to arrive at any minute, this is exciting and tantalizing, but it's also mysterious and, to be honest, sometimes really frustrating. <laughs> it is. What is the now and the not yet, the already and the not quite? Only when we grasp this reality and this tension does the exclamation make sense or the experience even resonate. What is the now and the not yet and the already and the not quite? Both those things are realities and tensions we must live in on this side of heaven. Our theology of the already and the not yet of the kingdom enables us to believe in miracles with 100% faith, going, God, we know that your kingdom is here. You're the king, so you could slice in in any moment. But it's also trusting that God Trusting God that when we see pain and suffering, when we see our prayers unanswered, that he's still king and that he's still good. By believing in both of these things, the already and the not yet, is actually really necessary for, our healthy, for healthy spirituality and thinking about this correctly. Did you know that the Vineyard Movement, actually for the first healing that they ever saw in our, in our own movement, actually didn't happen right away. It almost took an entire year before they ever saw their first healing in the Vineyard Movement. And to, to remember the story is so important, I think, in our history, because it, it gives us encouragement to keep going and to keep trying and to keep making ourselves vulnerable by just saying, God, we need you still. We still need you, kingdom come. The story was about John Wimber and his small church, well, growing church at the time. But they actually were losing people because people weren't getting better. They were getting sicker. As they continued to step out and, and, and just vulnerably say, God, we know you're the healer. We know your kingdom is here. We want to see it in our midst. And they'd pray for healings, and people would just get worse. They would even catch the people's colds when they were praying for them. It was, it was really discouraging. And think about it, guys, a whole year. It was like around 10 to 12 months of praying over and every week at church. And, and time and time again, the Lord would say, John, I want you to open it up. I want you to have people come forward for healing. And nothing would happen. And it got really discouraging. And after one really discouraging night where John was just so exasperated, like, God, come on, you tell us to do the stuff. We're doing the stuff. Why don't you show up? And he was just really upset. And that next morning, he got a call from one of the guys in his church. He was a, recently had just gotten a new job, and his wife was really, really sick. And he said, John, John, I, I really need you to come over. Can you pray for my wife? She's got to watch all of her kids today. She's, she can't even get out of bed. She's so sick. Can you come over and pray for her? I've got to go to work. And John said, sure, I'll be there, you know, in a couple minutes, and hung up, and he's like, okay, Lord, <laughs> going to do this again. And so he drove over and walked in, and he literally, in his own words, says, no woman wants to be seen like this, because this woman was sick. I mean, she had a bad fever. She just looked awful, like still in bed. And so, I mean, he literally says, I just prayed this very, like, just you know, simple prayer, like, oh, just come, just hear, you know, and then turns around and tells the husband, um, so, you know, there's, there's a reason why we don't see healings today. Sometimes it's, you know, the not yet of the kingdom, and he's trying to, like, explain to this guy, like, why we still sometimes don't see healings, and, and as he's talking to him, he realizes the husband's not looking at him, and he turns around, and there's the wife. She's standing up, making the bed, has her, has her robe on, and he said, what happened to you? And <laughs> she said, I'm healed. I feel 100% better. Thanks for praying for me. And he just was, what? Wait a minute. And, and they thanked him, and he left, and he closed the door, and he goes, yes, we got one. <laughs> finally, finally. And I'm just, just amazed at finally seeing a healing and thinking back to like how simple his prayer was, right? And how like not a lot of faith. And on his drive home that day, John had an incredible vision 
So literally driving from that, that guy's house, he's driving home, and, and he actually pulls off the side of the road because he, he's like, I've never had one of these, where he actually saw like a vision superimposed over the horizon. And, and what he saw was honey, like a honeycomb in the sky, and honey just like dripping down from the sky. And he's like, this is cool. What is this, Lord? And he said, this is my mercy. And underneath the drops of honey were people, lots and lots of people. And here is God's mercy just dripping down. And some of them are like, oh, yes, Jesus, more. I want more. Oh, this is so good. And then some of them, he see, you could see some of them were like, oh, oh, get, oh, this is, you know, get me out of this. Like, wanted to get out. We're really uncomfortable. And he said, John, never beg me again for healing. He's like, I love to heal. That's what I'm about. He said, the problem isn't with me. It's with this broken world and with these broken people. And from that moment on, the way that John prayed was different. It was just different and absolutely impacted the way that we pray in expectancy today. From our beginnings, the vineyard has been committed to the proclamation of the kingdom of God and to bearing witness to the deeds of the kingdom through healing, both physical, emotional, relational, doing justice, delivering those captive by evil. So the first distinctive, the already, the not yet. And the second one is a good one, the main and the plain. You might have heard this before, the main and the plain. John Wimber would always look back to what the scriptures actually said right there on the page. <laughs> We base everything we do on the main and the plain teachings that Jesus gave. It is really tempting in a movement like ours to lose sight of the forest of God's love for the world by getting lost in the trees of the next big fad sweeping the church. It's really easy. But in the vineyard, we love the fresh work of each generation, the expression of every generation, being relevant to our culture is really important to us, but... We also believe that God, what God's been doing has been what he's always been doing and what he will always continue to do, which is pursuing human beings with his powerful, powerful love. In 2 Timothy, Paul warns the church, and he warns, it's a pretty severe warning, and it, as we read it today, it's kind of like, whoo, okay. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. We cannot forget the essentials. And we can't get so caught up in what's going on that's cool and, and kind of neat today and denying those essentials, like loving people, becoming more and more like Jesus, knowing his word, knowing his power, being a body together, praying together, serving the poor, being a light to the world. These are the basics, right? We can get so focused on something that's good, something that's good, like, like end times or prophecy, and those things are not bad, but we don't spend a lot of time there. And you'll notice that. We keep things simple around here. We focus on the essentials, on what Jesus did and what he said. I made a banana bread the other day. I do this a lot because my daughter can't eat raw bananas, but she can somehow eat cooked bananas, and she loves them. And I had some really great bananas. I had some walnuts, I had some vanilla, I had all the good yummy stuff that you put in your, your banana bread. But when I got to the last part, I mean literally I'd already poured it all together, got to the last part of the ingredients, I realized I didn't have any baking soda. And I said, well, I mean I looked at the recipe, it literally said, just literally said, it was like half of a teaspoon, okay? Half of a stinking teaspoon. And I didn't even have that. And I was like, you know, it's a half of a teaspoon, I'm sure it'll be fine. What a waste of really good bananas. <laughs> so I pull that thing out, and I knew immediately something was wrong. It was like this thin, and it was pure rubber. I mean, I, I pulled that thing out, and it went blah, 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 blah. 
I'm like, what just happened? And uh, I just immediately realized, oh my goodness, the importance of those basic ingredients, right? Like baking soda. And most people that bake, you're like, yeah, it was a dumb mistake, Heather. <laughs> Which I found out. I just threw the thing away. I was like, wow, this is a cool experiment, though. I've never made something like this. It was just the strangest anomaly. And I threw it in the trash and literally went straight to the fridge and wrote baking soda on our shopping list. I'm like, obviously, I need it. But like bread, if you skip those main ingredients, you don't got bread, right? You've got a rubber pancake. Like, you, you don't have bread without those main ingredients. And when we choose to focus on the toppings, or the walnuts, or the bananas, or the sprinkles, or whatever's cool or trendy today, whatever's temporary, for the things that we know are true to be constant to the main and the plain, that's how we get carried off and, and farther away from, from what we need to really be focusing on. Now, does anyone know what we have inscribed, and it's literally inscribed, on the outside of our building, right, right by the front doors. Does anyone know what that is? Yeah, some of you read it. It says 2005, but up above, above it, <laughs> it says, pursuing a simple and pure devotion to Christ. I love this. I love this. And Jay Pathak says this, in an ever-changing world, we need to be reminded of the simple, clear truths that have held the church steady for centuries. Jesus is just as relevant today as when he walked on the face of the earth. When people taste and see his presence, when they soak in his truth, it absolutely transforms lives. We don't have to sell it. Jesus is it. So let's keep to the main and the plain as a church. The, the, the third distinctive is being naturally supernatural. I love this one, naturally supernatural. We actively avoid hype and emotional manipulation as a church. Going about our lives just naturally, we pray for healing and we listen for God's voice in all things and in all circumstances. We don't take ourselves too seriously and we don't need to be walking around in the clouds all day long. We've got one foot in this world, but we've also got one foot in the kingdom of God, right? And we're taking those handfuls of heaven and we're bringing them into our everyday experiences and circumstances in life. I heard a, a story from a friend of mine recently, and he told me about this man, this guy, it's actually a friend of his that really influenced his life. And I was like, ooh, I love a good story. Tell me a good story. And I was expecting something like really profound, <clears throat> which it was. But he simply said they were at a party, at a party, <clears throat> and his friend asked him, dude, like, how are you really doing? How, what's going on? Like, how are you doing? And, and he starts to share, like, what's been going on in his life and, and some really hard stuff. And obviously, because he wanted to know the real answer, and he said, well, well, man, like, let's pray. And immediately, without skipping a beat, he prayed that the Lord would meet him in that situation. And then just as easily as he had started, he said amen and went right back to the conversation drinking his cola. As though nothing had happened. And it shook my friend how simple, how enforced, and how natural it was for his friend to pray for him in that moment. Nothing was overdone, nothing was forced, nothing was made to be something bigger than it was, but genuinely, he just believed that God wanted to meet him in that situation, and therefore, naturally, he just prayed. Prayed knowing that God could and would slice into a simple conversation at a party. Many times when we pray for people, uh, we, we think that it's, we have to create a certain kind of atmosphere. We have to do something to, to contribute or to help things along when really it's all on God. It's all on him. That's why a lot of times when we're praying for someone, we actually will stop and, and ask them, well, so how's it going? You know, do, you, do you sense anything from the Lord? Is he doing anything? So that we know how to keep praying or how to redirect our prayers in that moment. Uh, what I say is you never can interrupt the Holy Spirit. You can never interrupt what he's doing. And so just by simply caring for the person, which is sometimes the most loving thing you can do in that moment, is say, maybe, hey, let's sit down. Let's, do you need a drink of water? Do we need to take a break? I mean, considering their humanity before making it into a production or, or something that you have to, you know, kind of conjure up, it's just simply supernaturally natural. 
You know what the greatest threat to our church today, and this is, this is just staggering and yet it makes sense, it's not bad theology. It's actually not bad leadership. It's not, you know, lower attendance. <laughs> it's, it's lack of expectation. That's, that's actually the biggest threat to our church today, that there's no room for God in the day-to-day just shuffle of life. It's like we don't expect for him to show up that the supernatural could could slice in at any moment. There's nothing enticing, guys, about doing this religious life, just going through the motions, right? There's no life-giving, there's nothing life-giving about that, just going through the motions and being a busy religious person. That's not what I've signed up for. But what God might do in me, what he might do through me, and what he might do with me, now that's something that gives me life. That's something that gets me excited. I think, man, what could God do with me today? It could be as simple as smiling at somebody or asking them how they're really doing or praying for somebody really just naturally in a conversation. That's the stuff that really gives life. John 14, 12, I love this reminder. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Guys, greater things than these, that's Jesus talking. Greater things than these. He actually expects that we're going to be doing greater things than he did. And we need to believe the things that he did, see what he did, understand what he did, believe in what he did, so that we can go do those things, right? Seeing the kingdom come, seeing emotional healing, seeing marriages restored, praying for our kids before they get on the bus because they're scared of something going on that day and watching his peace come and meet them. These are the ways that we can naturally see the kingdom on the move. Jesus trained his disciples to be just like him, to reflect his nature and to do what he did, his works. This meant that they were men and women of action, sent out to demonstrate and proclaim the kingdom of God to the world. So we as a church and we as people, we live out the works and the words of Jesus in our everyday lives. And here's some of the last words that Jesus says to his disciples. These are some great calls and, and, and uh, sending them out. He said in Mark 16, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will place their hands on the sick, and they will get well. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you, always to the very end of the age. I am with you. I am with you. John Wimber has a great quote to to help our focus. He says, don't seek God's power. Seek his presence. The power is found in his presence. If you want to see the kingdom come more, get closer to Jesus. Get closer to Jesus. Let his heart captivate your heart. Let the things of his his character rub rub off on you. Let it change the way you think, the way you see people. Get close to the heart of Jesus, and you will see more of his kingdom coming. And put those, those glasses of expectation on during your day, that you would see him move and work in natural ways in your midst. When I first experienced the Holy Spirit for myself, in a, in a powerful way, I would say, I got in prayer a lot. I knew what the voice of God kind of sounded like in my head. I could kind of decipher what what he would say to me, Uh, but I'd never actually felt like I had a Holy Spirit encounter because I'd always been kind of on the outside, kind of like, I don't know about this. I'm very skeptical, Uh, but when I started coming back to the vineyard, like I said, the Lord was stirring something in me, a real desire to see his spirit come and to to actually get to experience it for myself. And so I'd watch all these people get in prayer, and then finally I'd start standing up and going to the front and getting prayer too, and and nothing crazy would happen. I'd feel a lot of peace, and that was awesome. I knew that he was there. I could feel his presence, but I I wanted to see him come in a powerful way. And and 
I remember praying, I had this strange desire, because actually for a long time I had, did not have this desire. I was actually very scared of, strangely thought it was weird, the gift of tongues. That was really strange. And for a long time I was like, I don't know about that. That just seems forced, it doesn't seem real. But as I started to actually have friends that did it, and I trusted these people, and they had the gift of tongues, I'm like, I just, I don't know about this, but I think this would be really cool to have because then I would know that God could do something without me controlling it. You know, like he could actually like turn like something on in me that I wasn't actually controlling. And I really, like as a skeptic, I really wanted to see him do it. And so I started praying for it. I actually said, okay, I'm gonna go for it and get prayer, see if God's gonna do this. And it didn't happen for a very, very long time. And over the course of, gosh, like almost a year, I would still have this desire in me, but it changed. It changed from a skeptic to start uncovering something much deeper inside of me, which is what, I, what I'd really been longing for, which is just, I want to experience, I want to experience God's presence in a way that absolutely transcends my, my normative experience that I've had thus far. And so I, I said, God, you're right. Like, underneath that skeptic's desire for the gift of tongues, I really do want just more of you. I want to see your power. I want to see you on the move. I want to see your kingdom come in my life. And so, gosh, almost a year later, the pastor um, at the end of the service actually said, hey, I feel like there's some people here that have been praying for the gift of tongues for a long time, and you still don't have it. I want you to come forward and get prayer again. And I'm like, well, that's me. I'm going to give you a big sign on my face. You know, that's me. And so I went forward for prayer again and kind of stood in the back, kind of like, I don't know about this. Really kind of a little jaded for the fact that I've been forward and gotten prayer for this so many times. And yet I, I came forward. And it was funny because one of my friends just came up next to me and she said, hey, are you up here for prayer? And I'm like, yeah, I am. I really, I don't know, I feel like I'm supposed to get prayer for the gift of tongues. And she's like, well, I'll pray for you. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> so she prayed for me and nothing happened. But something happened. She said, Heather, I feel like we're supposed to keep praying. Do you mind if I pray for you again? And if you've ever gotten prayer in the church, you know, usually they'll pray for you once and then, well, God bless you and you go and but she was like, no, I feel like we're supposed to keep praying. I'm like, really? Okay, well, sure, let's pray again. And, and so we prayed again. And, and I remember feeling like somebody had poured a bucket of cold water right over top of my head. And out of nowhere, I had this really just profound experience for the first time. And I felt like this cold water just pouring over me from the head, my top of my head all the way down to my toes. I'm like, what is happening? This is so crazy. And I'm thinking this in my head, and all of a sudden, I just start uttering these little words out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's happening. So I'm thinking this, right? I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, it's happening. I think this is what this is. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it started getting faster, and it started getting louder. And I was like, I'm not controlling this. And I'm thinking in my head, I know I'm not making this happen. I'm not forcing this. I'm not trying to get it to start. This is really the Holy Spirit. And I remember just kind of like freaking out in my mind a little bit. And here I am actually speaking in tongues for the first time. And I'm just, my mind is just blown. I'm like, this is crazy and so excited. Like, wow, what a gift. And, and I remember driving home that night after saying goodbye to all my friends, and, and I remember thinking, well, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to see if this actually stuck, because <laughs> I bet it didn't. I bet it was just a one-time thing. I mean, seriously, I was such a skeptic, and I'm like, I bet it's just not going to happen again. And so I remember right where I was when I was driving, and I just opened my mouth. I'm like, we'll see, because I'm not going to force this, right? Because I wanted to know it was the real deal. And I wasn't going to force it. And I remember opening my mouth, and it just coming right out. And I'm like, what? And I start laughing. Guys, it was like Sarah. Remember, she was such, such a skeptic that she would ever get pregnant in 99 or however old she was in the Bible. And, and, and I felt like Sarah. I was just laughing. Like, God, you did it. I can't believe it. You did it. And I, I literally laughed and laughed and laughed all the way home, all the way home that night. And every time since... I just, it's been a sweet reminder that God is so real, that he's so much bigger, more gracious to the skeptic than, than ever, that I ever deserved. And, and every time, it's just this sweet reminder of his presence in my midst. 
And, and anything that he gives us, it's not just to give us that thing, right? It's meant to be used in a way that edifies us and the body. And so I just loved how he was so gracious in that moment to answer that prayer, even after almost a year of praying. So tonight, in, or this morning for ministry time, <clears throat> I want to do something else. I want to I cover another distinctive. So this is actually a fourth, and you're getting a bonus right here, okay? A bonus distinctive. And this is a really long-winded, complicated prayer that the Vineyard Movement has spoken since its very, very, you know, beginnings. Are you ready for this? It's come Holy Spirit. And this is an iconic prayer, a liturgy, you could say, of the Vineyard Movement from the very beginning. And when I was preparing and, and looking at this distinctive, I said, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to ask him to come. We're going to ask him to come. So would you go ahead and stand? And we're just going to take some time in silence. And we're going to wait on the Lord. Because we always, 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 as a vineyard movement, we always want to make space for God to speak. It's not about our great words, is it? It's about what he wants to do and what he wants to say to us. So we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. More, Lord. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep going, Lord. Just more. We need you, God. Fill us up. We leak. Fill us up. More, Lord. I want to experience you, the real you, God. Come more. Mm. More, Lord. Mm. Mm. More, Lord. Some of you are, I had this impression last night too, some of you, your hands are just really heavy. There's a couple of you. Your hands just feel kind of heavy. And for some reason, and I think it's the Lord saying, I want you to come forward and I want you to pray for people today. And you're like, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> no, you're, there's a reason why God's just touching your hands right now. He wants you to impart something to bless somebody else today. If that's you, I encourage you to come and pray for people this morning. And a, a word that I had gotten that just keeps coming back to mind is this song from when I was a little kid. And I think there's a reason why this came back. There's a song called, as a little kid, it's this, My God is so great, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. Right? You know that one? Okay, as a little kid, I would sing that. My God is so great, so strong, and so mighty. And I felt like the Lord said, there's some of us here that really struggle, just like I did, to believe that he could actually work in your life like that that he actually wants to show up in a, in a really impactful way and empower you by his spirit. And, and if, that's, if you're struggling with that doubt, I really encourage you to just take a step. God only requires usually just one step from us, and he does the rest. It's by his grace, but we do have a part to play. And, and if you've been struggling with thinking, you know what, I don't know if, if he's big enough. I don't know. Um, I would encourage you to come forward for prayer this morning. And, and the, other, the other word that I had is that some of us are really tired of getting prayer for the same thing <laughs> over and over. And if that story resonated with you and, and you feel like, you know what, my soul's just tired, tired from asking. I feel like the Lord wants to renew expectation and renewing expectation about how mighty he is how big he is and how able he is to heal us. And so if you have been either struggling with a doubt 
or you've been struggling with just feeling tired, I just, I just encourage you to come forward for prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, I, I sense that there are a number of folks here who, what I, what I saw as, as Heather began to pray is you have a, a ceiling on your walk with God, a, a low ceiling, and it, it's sort of squashed what he desires to do. And when I asked the Lord, what, why is there that low ceiling? And I feel like the Lord said there are so many people who have experienced loss, they've experienced tragedy, they experienced hurt, situations that took place in their past, and it, it just has stung you. It just has, has, has been a heavy weight upon you, and it's caused you to, to just not have the, the expectation. And I feel like the Lord wants to do something this morning, and it, it's not so much that he can change your past, that he can, you know, return what you lost or, or make the tragedy not have happened, but what the Lord wants to do is to give you his presence, give you himself and allow there to be a healing, not by rearranging history, but a healing by giving you his presence, mm-hmm. by touching those deep areas of loss, of sadness, of hurt, of tragedy in your past, so that there's, a, uh, there's an exchange that makes a difference. Does that make sense? So if that's for you, I'd invite you, along with what Heather shared, to come forward and get prayer. And I, I just want to encourage you. Last night we had a couple really cool healings, uh, physical, physical things that were called out. And so um, just as an act of faith, JT, um, you had a couple words mm-hmm, last night. And I, I feel like because of what God's doing, we're just going to keep going with what God's doing. And if he's healing, I want to be a part of that. So. Yeah, so there's a couple different things this morning. Felt like there was some blurred vision. If people here struggle with blurred vision. Who is that? Yeah, I think God wants to heal that. And then also Mm -hmm. left wrist, pain in your left wrist. I don't know if it's carpal tunnel or something. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And the third one, I I just kept on getting like shivering, like almost like you feel like there's this um, involuntary shivering that you're feeling this morning. And I feel like that's the Holy Spirit wanting to release some gifts of speech like prophecy or uh, the gift of tongues or something similar. Who's that? Who's feeling that kind of shivering? Raise your hand. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Great. So come on forward. We're going to end in one last worship song. Uh, Naomi's going to lead us in a, okay, you're there. Okay. <laughs> Naomi's going to lead us in another worship song. And for those of us that are, that are still sitting um, and, and continue, just, just start coming forward now. Um, for those of you that are still just sitting in your seats, um, this is a time we get to say, King, come. Would you, Jesus, come? We already know you reign. We already know you're here. But come, Lord. We want to see you in our midst. And, and guess what? You're all just ordained to pray. You, you just got ordained to pray. So anyone that's in your, in your seat, come forward. And, and come partner next to someone else who's already getting prayer. Just to watch what God's doing. And to be a part of what he's doing. So come forward. If those things are for you this morning, any kind of sickness, any kind of um, healing that you need this morning, oh, he just loves to heal. This is God's heart. Just come forward. And if we can get some guys to come forward and pray and some girls to come pray for for girls, that'd be great. We're going to need a lot of prayers this morning. Uh, God's going to do some wonderful things. We just pray, Holy Spirit, come right now. Right now. Mm -hmm. I should really come.